Before we get started, I want to take a minute to talk to you about Studio headphones. If you've been listening for a while, you'll have heard me say this before, but I really do enjoy the Studio Tray Bluetooth wireless headphones they send me. When I'm out in the world, I can be an antisocial kind of guy, and it's nice having a headphone that fits snugly in my ear, has great quality sound, and blocks out everything else so I don't have to pay attention while leaving enough ambient noise that I don't accidentally get run over by a taxi or, God forbid, wander into a drum circle. If you'd like to check out your own pair of Studio Tray headphones or see what else the Studio catalog has to offer, go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, and enter the promo code GhostStoryGuys at checkout for 15% off your order. That's studio.com, enter the promo code GhostStoryGuys at checkout for 15% off your order. Now, on with the show. Close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 31. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brendan. How are you doing? Oh, you know, a lot better when this week is over. But yep. Uh, yep. we just spent, you know, our pre-show slurpy time just <laughs> listing off all the annoying things that have been going on in just our lives. Just complaining to each oh, other. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. But you had some great news in yes. that you... You made rice pudding in your Instant Pot. <laughs> I'm officially a senior. <laughs> <clears throat> I received an Instant Pot for my birthday, and um, I I re- was really torn because I have a pressure cooker. Right. I have a slow cooker. I have a rice maker. Why would I need an Instant Pot? At all valid questions. But I really love the idea of it all being in one. Oh. I know, because I can saute in it. You can't do that in a in a slow cooker. That's why you have frying pans. No, but I don't like getting other dishes dirty. <laughs> oh god! So I joined a couple of Facebook groups, the slow cooker, uh, instant pot groups. Of course, I'm not. I, I should be surprised they exist. I but know. I'm not. I know. I know. The problem is they're now choking out my newsfeed. Like every <laughs> second thing is like, oh, pulled pork, oh, pulled chicken. It's like you know you can do other things in this. Well, yeah, they can fight about politics in the comments. Yes, which they do, which I skip. <laughs> of course um, they do. Only a libtard would put pineapple. <laughs> In this. <laughs> Only a snowflake can have cheese. That's right. Um, Ooh, but, uh, cuts deep. <laughs> cuts deep. So I made uh, the rice pudding, and I used like special rice and cream and milk and vanilla. And, that and you know sounds what? amazing. It actually was amazing. Oh. I thought it would burn on the bottom for sure. I'm like, you can't do rice and milk and have it pressure cooked for 60 minutes and not burn. But guess what? You can. You can. Impressive. And it was incredible. So, I, I had a rice cooker that I bought on Use Victoria yep. for 20 bucks, yep. and it always Birds. scorched yeah. on the bottom. Yeah, I know. You know, And finally, I just put the damn thing in the cupboard, and recently I gave it away to someone. Uh, apparently, the trick is rinse the rice first. Did you always rinse your rice? Rinse rice? Yeah. What, did we lose a war? I got to rinse the <laughs> rice first? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you do. I didn't with this because it was special rice, but, but usually you're supposed you rinse to rinse it. You put it in a colander. It's smaller than the coals p- in the colander. No, he was a sieve. For Christ's sake. Now I gotta have a troglodyte. Gotta have a sieve. Yes. Or even just put water in with the rice in the pot, swirl it around, and pour off the water. 
That's no, it. That's annoying and a pain in the ass. I'm, I'm just telling you, it makes a difference. Well, fair enough. Okay. And we've spent the first like five minutes of the show talking about rice. Talking about rice. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds about right. Sounds Next about up, right. applesauce. I got one piece of really fun feedback from a friend of mine. Oh, sure. She has started, uh, some people she works with or knows, uh, listen to the show, and they are the police, some of the local police around here. Right. And she said to the guy, well, you know, they even record the show in a haunted building. And the guy's like, no, they don't. It's a small mountain cabin. <laughs> well, of course it like, is. Of course it is. And she's like, no, it's a building. And he's he's just no no I listened to the show he said it's a small mountain cabin <laughs> that's great so anyway I just thought I would share that because I love that story because yeah we're in a small mountain cabin dimly lit and kind of creepy with a Seven Eleven just down the road just down the road <laughs> oh thank heaven <laughs> those urban cabins that's right hey Seven Eleven if you want to sponsor us uh, Ooh, we will work one. for Slurpees I will work for those friggin' points on the app you just you load up my app and I'm, I'm yours and if Red Lobster's listening I'm open doing Red Lobster anyways. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, we're going to be telling a lot of listener stories. We had some yep. great ones sent in, and we have a very special musical guest. This episode, we get to feature the brand new track from the band Arcade High, who is a synthwave artist. They are, pardon me, a pair of synthwave artists out of, I believe, Pittsburgh. Nice. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm excited. Me too. No, it's, the track is called The Gauntlet, and you can find Arcade High at arcadehigh.bandcamp.com, arcadehigh.com. They have two albums out, Pixel Passion and Kingdom. Uh, both of which you can buy online. Cool. And uh, I'm excited to play that track. So coming up after the break, we have some listener stories. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Like we said before the break on this episode, we're going to be telling some listener stories. We've been letting them pile up uh, just because we we used to tell them at the end of the episodes, mm-hmm. and then the episodes started getting long. Yeah. So uh, we decided to just let them, yeah, let them accumulate. And, well, the stories are great, and so we didn't want to just not use them. Or rush through them. Right. So now we've got uh, all the time we need, and we've got a couple really great stories yeah. that I'm, I'm looking forward to telling. The first set of stories we're going to be telling come from Cherie. The very first one is set in the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. Uh, she was part of a nighttime ghost tour group that included, among others, two co-workers, her husband, and her stepson. Part of the tour was guided and others allowed for more independent exploration. And at one point, the group split and Cherie followed her husband and stepson into the kitchen area, but she got such a strong, creepy vibe from the area that she just had to leave. And she decided to wait for them in the old rec room, which was dark, and had just enough light for her to see for a moment, 
a black shadow stand out and then disappear. That's not good. No, you, no. you go somewhere to get away yes. from all this shit. And they show up in the windows. Yes. Perfect. Speaking of which, we have to remember to play that sound oh, at the end of the show. Right. I, I just remembered that. Yes. We yes. had our own. You had your own experience here in our creepy mountain cabin. Yes. Yep. Right for me. <laughs> uh, so Cherise said that during the guided portions of the tour, it was nice to see how much work had been done on the asylum to bring it back up or bring it back to, I, I don't know, is it former glory if it's an asylum? I um, mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just it, not falling down. <laughs> yeah. There, bring it back to not falling down status. <laughs> and there were no creepy feelings at all for much of the tour. Then in cell block C, that changed. She was standing close to the back wall while the guide spoke and got the overwhelming feeling that someone was behind her. She stepped forward a bit to give the person more room, but when she looked behind her, there was no one there. Mm -hmm. So she was a little freaked out, but wrote it off to being in a small space in a lunatic asylum. There you go. But then she felt something touch her, and when she saw there was no one near, she knew that whatever it was, wasn't visible. And that was the end of it. She left the group and went down to the admin office. Yeah, I don't blame her for nope, that. Nope, I would have been out of there too. <laughs> uh, she explained to the two women working there why she left, and they both said they'd had their own issues with that room and never went up there alone. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she stayed with them until the, the rest of the group finished the tour. You can't blame her. No. No. And there's a couple people whose stories we'll be telling who've gone to places like this on tours, and I don't know if I would. <sighs> you know, I leave ghost stories. I don't know if you knew that. I, no, no, um, tell, tell but, me more. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I have never gone on another ghost. Really? Never. And wow. not that I wouldn't. Right. I've just never done it. I mean, part of it was my family was never into it. Right. Um, but uh, they kind of freaked me out. Interesting. I'm not a big guy. Go, I'm not a big let's go get scared kind of guy. I, I would go and investigate somewhere cool during the daytime. Right. But I don't know about nighttime. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't like it in the dark anyway. Well, no, the dark is the dark's bad mojo. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I mean, I did the tour of the um, Tronquil. Yes. We talked about in episode 18. Yes. But that was daytime. Yes. And I actually, I should say, I have done a night tour of Tronquil. Oh. But it was heavily guided. Right. And I mean, there were underground tunnels, but they're, I mean, not, they were creepily lit, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, again, it was a short tour. Yeah. So I don't know, but a whole asylum that's closed in and, mm. yeah, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I guess if I was there, I'd be dumb enough to do it. <laughs> you know, we we went through some old Chicago warehouse, you know. Right, so. yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No. Cherie told us another story, and I'm, I'm just going to read it quickly here in um, her words, sort of break it down, uh, just because I, I it reminds me of something that happened to me. September 2001, I was eight months pregnant with my first son. And food was the world. And I, you know, I understand that. Uh, I worked full time for a company doing general office duties. It wasn't close to our downtown area, but close enough. The places I love to eat were in a short driving distance. On this day in September, I placed a telephone to go order at my favorite Mediterranean restaurant. I was happy to be outside walking in the beautiful air and enjoying the sunshine on my face. It took me maybe four minutes to walk to the restaurant. I was greeted by a young lady who told me it would be just another minute. So I sat down about six feet away from the main entrance of the restaurant. The door opens and in walks this man who's maybe six foot two, six foot three, bronzed skin, facial hair, blue eyes, and he's wearing a three-piece suit. The man looked like he walked out of GQ magazine. Drop dead gorgeous. And I have never seen a man that beautiful or radiating in my life or since. He strolls over to the young lady. She greets him and she says, it'll just be a moment. I didn't listen to their conversation because I was too focused on these overwhelming feelings I was getting. Never up till that moment had I felt actual, what you might call stupid fear. This man may have been the most beautiful creature I had ever seen, but he was pure evil. Being that close to him scared the absolute crap out of me. Mm. I was scared for me, for my unborn baby, and there was no reason to be. He just spoke to me, said hi, 
and had a really nice smile. But my first thought was run, run for your life. But I had to get my food. <laughs> she says, pregnant mom needs food. <laughs> I did stand up and move closer to the door when he had his back toward me. The young lady came out with my food just then. I gave her tip money and I got out of there. I started walking back to my car and I just knew that the man was behind me. I spotted him and he smiled at me. No shit, I ran pregnant. I was full out running with my food and I kept thinking, you're not taking my baby and you're not hurting me. When I got to my car, I jumped in and peeled out of that parking lot. I didn't even think about putting on my seatbelt till two blocks away. Hmm. And Cherie wants to point out that it was a really nice day. Yeah, you know, it was gorgeous. There's no reason to have any kind of strange thought. And it was in 2001, so she didn't have cable or even a computer in her house. So she didn't have access to things that would make her think along mm-hmm. these kinds of lines. But she f- got the what she thinks is a crazy feeling, but that he was some kind of demon or devil in sheep's clothing or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm just fascinated by that because I have met people like that only once or twice in my life. But I'm near them. Yeah. And there is some, they're good looking people, but there is something wrong. Yeah. And there was one guy, I met him down at James Bay a couple of years ago. Very, you know, he does very well for himself. You know, we, we had an acquaintance in common. I happened to run into him, you know, very, very social, very friendly. But he stopped again on the way out from where he was headed. And as he turned, I saw it was like a mask slipped. Right. And there was something in his eyes I've never seen before in my life. Hmm. And even if, I, I'm not saying it was anything paranormal. I'm just yeah. saying whatever character traits he's masking, it was just something wild and hungry wow. and awful. Did you ever see him again? He lives around town, but uh, never run into him again. Interesting. Have you ever met anyone like that? That one guy I told you about, I think on another show. In the in, prison. In the prison. Right. Um, but I have met people right off the bat and been like, nope. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, but I don't know, in terms of that level of pure evil, I don't think I've ever run into that outside of a prison. Well, that's good, that I guess. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more about all the time <laughs> yeah. you spent in prison. I was doing concerts. Sure. No, I was. I was singing in the shower. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> never been to prison as a guest. As a guest. Only as an entertainer. Well, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, too. no, I'm just going to leave that yeah, right where it thank is. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> that's that's really interesting, Shree. I mean, mm-hmm. glad to, I'm glad you got out of there. And I think the important thing out of that is listen to it. Oh, 100%. When always, you run into that, listen to it. Yeah, always listen to that gut yeah. because I honestly think, you know, we, we're we so socialized yeah. to be friendly. We're so yeah. socialized to, yeah. and to not really pick up on danger cues. Nope. You know, we're, we're taught not, I don't know if we're taught not to listen to that voice. We, we just, kind of are because we're taught to not be silly, give people a chance. Well, of course, yeah. Don't judge. Yep. Um, just because you're not feeling safe in this elevator, you're just being silly. Yeah, that's a um, good point. And I think we have those inner voices for a reason and, and we should listen to them. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I've I mean, done it. I've done it. I've been in a situation where I'm like, you know what? This isn't good. And I just leave. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was one night, uh, I listened to that voice. I was working for a consulting company downtown and I was going to go to the office, hang out as I usually did. And I just thought, nah, you know, maybe, maybe not tonight. And, uh, that night the office was broken into. Wow. Or I should say not the office, but the building. Yeah. But in order for them to get in, they beat in a door with a fire extinguisher. Oh. Yeah. So I would have heard it. Yeah. And um, you probably would have gone looking. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, always listen to that voice. I'm yeah, sure you yeah, are both glad you did. Yep. So our next story is from Mo. Several years ago, Mo was checking in at the old Courthouse Inn in Powell River, B.C., when she noticed an alcove just past the main stairs. The alcove had a heavy curtain, appearing to block off another hall. She felt it was radiating what she called, quote, a distinct piss-off feeling, unquote. <laughs> Later that night, she woke up, which wasn't unusual in and of itself. Ever since she was a girl, she's been a bit of an insomniac. The only thing that's changed over the years is that she now sleeps on her back, her legs straight out, toes up. This is important because just as she started drifting back to sleep, something grabbed her toes. Oh. Yeah. That was the end of her drifting off to sleep. She rolled onto her side, hid under the blankets, and clawed her way across the king-sized bed to where her husband was sleeping and curled up next to him. She felt fairly confident about her safety at this point. Then a little finger poked her in the shoulder, just a couple of gentle nudges, like something wanted to play. Ugh. In the morning, her husband teased her about what had happened, and she said, I'll laugh away, big boy. Guess who's sleeping with the lights on tonight? <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> I don't know what I would do. Well, if you're in a hotel, what are you, you going to do? Yeah, that's a good point. Where are you going to go? I mean, that would be an automatic lights on thing for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. However, I've been in positions like that, and I have just pretended it's not happening. Well, that's the best you can do. Yeah. Because otherwise it's ask for another room. Yeah. And you got it. Then, then you have to admit it happened. Yes. And then you have to be the person who picks up the phone and says, hey, yeah, uh, uh, something invisible just poked me in the shoulder. <laughs> can I have it? You know. Yeah. And they, I, they usually make up some other excuse, right? Like, right. Yeah. Oh, the room smells funny. Or I pooped my work. bed. Yeah. I pooped am, I, am I the only one? No. No. My friend told me about that. Not me. Yeah. I heard about that once. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't know what you do. It's not cool. Blah. Mo also quickly describes a visit to the Kingston Penitentiary, a decommissioned maximum security prison in Ontario. There's a room in the warden's house used as a kind of museum of corporal punishment, and she said that room was so thick with misery and despair, she could only stay for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. There's been some bad people in that prison, like, even lately. Really? Yeah, like Paul Bernardo was in the Kingpin. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, uh, Clifford Olson. Oh, geez. So there's been some... Bad Very dudes bad in people. There. That's the bad dude prison. Right, right. And yeah, yeah. So now, do you know why they closed it? I think it got too old. Uh, okay, because it was it was pretty recently. I want to say in the yeah. last four or five years yeah. they decommissioned it. Yeah. No, it just got the. I think the base infrastructure just got too old. Right. Too hard to maintain. Yeah. I don't know if they built and they must have built a new one. Well, there's isn't Matt Squee a Max as well? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How many do we have? I have no idea. Huh. We don't lock up people quite as much as our American friends. Well, no, because they're not privately run prisons that turn profit the more people are in them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many we have. Hmm. That's a good point. I, I know there's a prison near Kamloops. Yeah, and they're putting in a huge one near Kelowna. Really? Yeah, big, big maximum security. They're doing it on First Nations land and specifically hiring First Nations guards. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I know the Kamloops one because when I used to hitchhike out that way, uh, you can't hitchhike immediately outside Kamloops. Yes. So I used to have to walk outside city limits yes. until I was past like the, the danger zone where people could pick you up. Because you don't look like a prisoner at all. No, apparently not. Someone once mistook me for a drug dealer though. I could see that. Yep. I was, uh, I don't I don't know if I ever told this story but uh, on the show, but I was hitchhiking in a snowstorm. As you do. Yeah, yeah. I was going to meet my cousin in Kamloops to see a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really good idea to go out in a blizzard for. I was single. I had a lot of time. Yeah, apparently. So I, I hitchhike, and uh, the guy who picks me up, we get, somehow the subject of beer comes up. He's a single guy in a car, or truck rather, beat up old pickup. And as the snow starts falling, he says, man, all this talk about beer has got me thirsty. So he pulls over at this roadside st store, hands me 20 bucks, says, uh, go get a half sack. <laughs> so I go in and buy a six-pack. Six 
come back out. And okay. He, and he, so he tucks the, the, tucks the beer underneath his seat, rips off a can, hands me one, rips off another one, and starts drinking the beer. Is How he, is this a good idea? Uh, oh, no, it's not. No, okay. No. As long as we're clear on that. <laughs> yeah, so, so he, he's driving, he's drinking this beer and kills it, tosses it behind him, grabs another one. Oh, Jesus. And then he says, uh, you got anything to protect yourself? Like a condom? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I was hoping that wasn't You're the You're getting a hitchhiker. And he's like, you know, like, you got a pig sticker. And I said, no, I, I don't. He goes, oh, here, that's not good. You gotta be, you gotta, if you're going to be out here on, on the road, you got to have something to protect you. So he starts, uh, you know, bear, bear again, bear in mind again, snow drive, or like driving snow, yeah. reaching under the seat, kind of reaching to see what's down there. And then he pulls out this homemade knife. It's about eight inches long. So at this point, are you thinking, and this is where I die? <laughs> I, I actually knew this guy. Oh, okay. I knew him from Rebel Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't like a murder on the mountain kind of thing. No. And I mean, yeah, he, he was, he's an okay guy. I mean, he's got problems, but he, he's a you know, sweet guy at heart. Uh, but he made this knife in shop class years ago. And it's literally a machined piece of metal between two pieces of plastic cutting board just riveted together. Oh, my God. So he hands it to me and says, here, man, you keep this in case you need to you protect yourself. You know the weirdest people. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so I get the knife, he drops me off as far as I go, and then I'm hitchhiking the rest of the way, and I think I got picked up by a couple of drug dealers. It, it happened. <laughs> I caught a ride with a lot of drug dealers back in the day. Surprise. But uh, they're the only people who pick up weirdos by the side of the road. That is true. They're always on the road. These drugs aren't going to deliver themselves. No, that's it. <laughs> Anyways, finally get to Kamloops, and I've got my backpack, I've got my big toucan because it's cold, and I've got, the, he, the guy gave me the last two beers. Perfect. So I'm I'm waiting at the movie theater for my cousin to turn up. Yeah. And these two kids see me. Well, not kids. They were, you know, of age. But they see me and they come over and they, they thought I was a drug dealer. <laughs> I said, hey, man, what do you got? What do you got? And I said, I, I, what? Got, I got two beers. Cool. Yeah, we'll take them. Two bucks each. <laughs> two bucks. You could have fleeced a little I wasn't thinking about it. I I was just ten bucks each, boys. <laughs> that's right. I don't know. I I was so shocked by this. Yeah. I was, yeah. I get it. Anyways, so that was the time I was mistaken for a drug dealer outside a shopping mall. I can't even remember why I told that story. But you're a very odd man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one one more quick hitchhiking story because oh, I, I, no. I don't know if I've told this one on the show. But should you? Uh, I, yeah, I didn't do anything illegal. So okay. Fine. Aside from okay. hitchhiking, which is sketchy. Immoral. Nope. No. 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 Nope. Wow. Questionable. Quite wow. more um okay so i was doing a, i was doing a, a gig doing some moving and i got i got friendly with a driver and he said he needed a hand next town over right and i thought oh yeah sure if it's if they're paying me cash yeah. um yeah i'll do it and i'll just hitchhike home so did this um I how did, far away is the next town over two hours wasn't, the, wasn't the next wasn't the next town over it was a couple towns over no kidding but two hours hour and a half hour 40 wow anyways it was a winter i didn't think about that part but it wasn't full-on winter it was you know, Marchish in the mountains. That's still winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, as I learned, because I had a an okay jacket on. Yeah, but all I had for hat or gloves was my work gloves. You know, right. like th- for handling things. And so when he finally dropped me off, it was dark when I was time when the job was done. So I start thumbing. There are two. There's Highway 97 and there's Highway One. Highway One is very busy. Right. Highway 97 is very not. Yeah. The smart money was to take a ride to Highway 1 yeah. where the rides would have been plentiful. Yeah. I didn't know any better then. Right. So I'd, someone offered me a ride to 1 and I said, no, 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 no. I want to go straight. Like right. I want to go back home. So the snow started falling about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and it's got cold. And I'm standing on this side highway under a street light, hoping someone comes and picks me up. Finally, they take me as far as Sycamus, which is the next town over from Revelstoke. Right. It's 40 minutes away. 
Um, there's no cell service. I don't have a phone at this point anyways. Of course not. And so I'm going through the truck stop asking people if they can give me a lift. And of course, truckers can't. Their insurance doesn't allow for it anymore. And finally, I go back and <laughs> shake your head at me. This is just so sad. <laughs> Shut your damn door. Little orphan Brennan <laughs> searching for a ride in the winter. That's right. Oh my God. So I go, under the, I go back under the street light. We had very different lives. Yes. Just saying. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so we're, we're, uh, I'm standing under the streetlight and finally, uh, this big rig pulls over on the, on the, inter- on the freeway, which never happens. Right. Again, their insurance doesn't allow them to pick up hitchhikers. Unless they're murderers. Well, so get in the truck. Guy's very friendly. says, Hey, let's go. And I told him, I appreciate it. You know, I know you guys aren't supposed to pick up hitchhikers. And he goes, Oh yeah, no. He says that, uh, that it's all good. Don't worry about it. I said, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I, he said, where are you headed? I told him. And, uh, he said, yep, no problem. He said, I'm going up to Rogers pass, which is about an hour on the other side of Revelstoke. And uh, he said, yeah, I should get up there about midnight. And he says, yeah, I just... Uh, <laughs> the killing time. <laughs> well, I said, oh, you, I said, you got to pick up? Or he goes, no, 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 I just leave this trailer in the uh, parking lot and I go away. And I said, oh, what are you hauling? And he did not answer. No, why would you ask that? When was, someone tells you something that sketchy, you <laughs> shut the f*** up and you talk about the weather. <laughs> I was young and dumb. Oh, my God. I can't believe you're still alive. <laughs> and now he's, he starts speeding. And yeah. it's, it's snowing yeah, heavy. Yeah. So I'm in a big rig truck going around these mountain curves at high speeds in the snow. And I was terrified. Yep. Just terrified. And I actually heard over the CB radio. So a couple other truckers talking about us going, that son of a bitch is going to get himself killed. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought, oh, man. This is how I end up. This is it. But I still remember the color of the light in the truck. I still remember the way the dashboard looked. Oh, man. That was my first hitchhiking experience. That was... So did he just, like, drop you off and, okay, take care, bye? Yep, goodbye. Side of the highway, goodbye. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how most of the hitchhiking gigs ended up. Like I, you know, I only hitchhiked once and the guy was going to kill me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Until I revealed I worked for church. And then, because I told him I just needed a phone. Right. I needed to call someone to come and get me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I watched him drive past payphone after payphone. <sighs> oh, yeah. no. And then he starts tell, saying to me, so what do you, because I was like 1920 kind of thing. Right. And he's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, and then I saw my out. And I'm like, oh, I actually work for the church. I'm a youth pastor. And he was, and his whole way of being changed. And he pulled off at the first payphone. He's like, there you go, man. You have a good night. Take care. And boom, he was gone. That was it. And wow. I never hitchhiked. That was my first and last time hitchhiking You ever. almost got murdered. I, I'm pretty sure. To be honest with you, I'm pretty sure. Because it was a rainy night. My car blew its heater core on the highway. So there's hot coolant spraying all over my feet. And it literally wouldn't go. And um, I had a cell phone. This was back in 1994. You had a cell phone? I had to. I lived in rural. I didn't have a phone. Oh, fair enough. But it was a Radio Shack Tandy phone. Oh, of course. And of course, I hadn't charged it. Of course you hadn't. <laughs> because old people never charge their phones. <laughs> so hence why I needed a, a, lift. a, a phone course, and, yeah, and yeah, a lift. Yeah. And I was getting scared because I'm watching him blow past these gas stations that I knew had payphones outside. And he wasn't stopping. Oh, I said, oh, there's one there. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <sighs> yeah. So then I Yikes. talked about being a youth pastor. It's like, boom. It switched, and I wow. went, okay, well, I'm never getting myself in that situation again. Yeah. And I never did. No, fair enough. <laughs> the last time I hitchhiked was not like that. It wasn't, because that legitimately, I think you almost got killed. Yeah. Um, mine was just uncomfortable, deeply uncomfortable. I was coming back from 
it doesn't matter, but I was coming back from somewhere. Yeah. And uh, this guy picked me up outside a seminar. And I've been waiting there for about an hour and a half, and which isn't a long time. I've heard of people waiting eight, 10 hours for rides. <gasps> what? Oh, yeah. But I, I always made a point of cleaning myself up before I hitched. Right. So it, I, I never, I think the longest I'd wait for a ride was three hours once. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah but, you know, better than, well, I don't know, better than alternative, but it was cheaper than a bus. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I had the time back then. Uh, but anyway, so this guy picked me up and he was wearing cut off sweatpants as shorts. Right. He had a mustache, black mustache, short black hair, and he was driving a white van. Of course he and was. he was drunk. Oh, shit. And this voice in my head said, don't, don't get, get in, in the, van. the van. And yeah. I thought, well, I need a ride. Oh. It'll be fine. See? Another yep. example Listen of that little voice. voice. Yep. Cherie, see? Yeah. Uh, but so I got in the van. And I noticed, I think he'd been living in there oh, because there was God. dirty underwear on the ground. Oh, my God. And he was clearly drunk. And he kept telling me, because, again, I, I made a point of dressing nicely when I hitchhiked mm-hmm. because it's, it's get rides faster. Yeah. So there's Brian in his three-piece suit. That's right. Hey. <laughs> and this guy says, well, you know, you look, you know, the Tim Hortons in this one town, they're supposed to be 24 hours, but they can't find anyone. And I, I'm watching. He's drifting off the yeah. road. Like, hey, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, corrects. So I can't find anyone to work the night shift, and I always got to drive out here, and I can't buy my... Hey, man, you're... Uh, oh, yeah, drifting. Uh, you should... You can look like a manager type. You should go get a job there and keep it open at nighttime. That'd be great. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll do that. You just keep the van yeah, on the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> keep the van on the road. It got so bad that um, finally we went two towns over, and I had about 40 minutes left. It was the same town where um, I had gotten the ride from the trucker. Right. I actually told him, I said, oh, here's my stop. And he said, oh, I thought you were going one more town. I said, no, 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 uh, this place. Oh, okay, sure. And he let me out. And wow. I, I called a friend of mine. And I had a friend, used to be a very good friend of mine. We're not in touch anymore. Um, but he told me, if you ever get in a situation and it's desperate, let me know. I'll come get you. And uh, so I, I pulled the card that time. And yeah. I said, man, yeah. uh, I just had a real bad trip. Because, I mean, we were dangerously close to crashing a yeah. number of times. Yeah. And I said, I, I need a lift. And until I got stuck in Northern Ireland in 08, that was the last time I hitchhiked. Wow. Because it was- uh, That yeah. traumatic. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. I mean, no, I I'd it. hitchhiked with, I'd driven with drug dealers like yeah. several times. I got drunk with these drug dealers once. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> we're rolling, they picked me up outside Kamloops. Their names were Hutch and Stevie. <laughs> and Now they're going to murder you. Yeah, it's well. Yeah. <laughs> this is 13 years ago. They're probably dead themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they picked me up and they handed me a bottle of Crown Royal pre-mixed with Coke. As you do. It's like a 2-6. So I started- Very classy. Started drinking them, yeah. drinking with them. And then uh, one of them got a phone call and it was his mom. And he's, he's talking, hey mom, you know, this stuff. And he goes, no mom, I told you I'm not slinging crack out here. I only do that back home. I don't sling crack outside a home. Oh my God. What a moral paragon. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. No, we got, wow. I was drunk. Then we went to seven, we went, we stopped at a subway in some town, had sandwiches, really bonded. And then they dropped me by the side of the road and that was it. Of course you bonded. We bonded. God, you're weird. <laughs> Anyways, we got way off track. There. Um, That was fun though. That was great. They weren't paranormal, but they could have been. <laughs> could have ended up. Came very, close. very close to us being very oh, absolutely man. paranormal. All right, so this is, uh, we're going to get back to our listener stories now. Yeah. And this is from Emily. Uh, Emily says, hey guys, I just started listening and just finished the first Halloween special and thought I'd write in. It's not much compared to some of the stories you get, but I just felt like sharing, I guess. I'm from Wisconsin, by the way. Sorry, Emily. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wisconsin's very pretty. I'd be like, cheese. <laughs> Wisconsin's very pretty. Mm. 
So I was in Girl Scouts through high school and in second grade. Over the summer, I went to a Girl Scout summer camp, Camp Evelyn near Crystal Lake. Uh-oh, Crystal Lake. I didn't realize there were actual places called Crystal Lake. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, though. I guess. Yeah. Um, still. Yeah. We I think gotta, you went to the same Girl Guide camp, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, for I'm different not, reasons. I'm not allowed to go You're back. You're not allowed back, yeah. You know, the hard part is figuring out exactly how far 200 meters is. <laughs> Maybe you get a laser collar or something. That's right. It gives you a shock when you get too close. Great. Anyway. We got a list of activities and times for the day, and we had free time between programs, so me and a friend were just hanging out together, walking back from the cafeteria, I think. It was a beautiful, bright day. The sun was shining and birds were chirping. I loved the woods and was used to being alone in it, so I don't spook easily. But we both just got this really bad feeling. It felt like someone was watching us and following us, but there was no one else around. I just remember feeling so suddenly afraid, and without really saying anything, we both took off running, full sprint, back to the cabins. I'm in shape, but not super athletic even then, and we ran a full mile back to the cabins. We didn't see anyone else the full way there, and luckily there was a chaperone at the cabins because we were freaked out. The feeling stuck around, but as long as I was around other people, it didn't bother me. Safety in numbers and all that. I've never really experienced that same feeling again. I don't know what it was, but something for whatever reason wasn't happy with us and Mm -hmm. no one else seemed to notice. Mm -hmm. I realized too, I'm usually pretty good at getting a read on places and people, so that could be it too. I haven't really looked at any ghost stories from around there yet. Not sure if I'll be more freaked out if there's something relevant or nothing at all. (laughs) Um, And of course, that, I mean, that's nicely dovetails with our theme of listen to your gut. Listen to your Um, gut. I think that should be what this show is called. (laughs) Listen to your gut. Because it has been a common theme. I did actually look into hauntings in that area. Yeah. Two miles straight line west yeah. is the town of Glen Beulah. Okay. And Walnut Grove Cemetery, which is famously haunted. Oh, yeah. I've heard of it. It was on the Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. So she's not off. No, she was very right. Which, being... She was picking something up. Well, I, I hope don't... she hears this and knows she wasn't crazy. <laughs> she <laughs> was really. Yeah, yeah. She picked up something good. People have seen apparitions, strange lights, heard unusual noises. So, mm-hmm. no, um, there's something in those woods. Thank you for sharing that one with us, Emily. Leslie has uh, a story for us as well. Leslie says she's always been interested in the paranormal, but nothing had ever happened to her until recently. She describes herself as the type of person who will sleep soundly until her alarm goes off. And yet around three months ago, she woke in the middle of the night. She f- couldn't figure out why she was awake. She wasn't uncomfortable, didn't need to use the bathroom, wasn't panicked about missing alarm. She just simply woke up. Leslie laid in bed for a few minutes, trying to figure out what had woken her up. The sound of her husband lightly soaring next to her was the only noise. Then, in the far corner of the room, she saw a figure of an elderly lady wearing a flowered hat. Oof. Yeah. Leslie laid her head back down, told herself she was seeing things, that her brain was trying to give form to things hanging on the corkboard on that wall. She lifted her head again and stared, trying to disassemble the form and see the individual pieces that had made her brain think there was an old woman standing there. Then the old woman waved, what Leslie calls a sort of wiggly finger toodaloo wave. (laughs) Leslie remembers exactly what the woman looked like, from the hat on her head to the purse on her left arm, to the long coat she was wearing, but has never seen her again. Holy smokes. And who was that? Yeah, that's so many questions. I've had experiences uh, in my current home now where it kind of feels like something stops by for a visit. Is that the thing in the closet? We've heard the tinkling in the closet. Yep. Um, sometimes we've been downstairs watching TV and we'll hear, it sounds like someone walking around upstairs. Right. But it doesn't seem to stick around. Like I don't feel- Interesting. Uncomfortable. I don't feel fearful. We shut the closet doors now at night. Uh, yeah, no but, kidding. But it's not like it's there all the time either. I've been there by myself and I feel fine. Weird. So it, it maybe we back right on to the Galloping Goose. 
Right. Which was the original railroad line here in Victoria. Of course. So maybe and there's a lot of stone there. A lot of stone. We're built on solid rock. Of course, yeah. You guys are. run up, yeah. So I wonder if perhaps there's an energy passing through on the Galloping Goose on the trail. Maybe. Um, and it just stops in. Makes you wonder what's happening in this case, though. Yeah. Maybe say who was who someone was who used woman? to live in the house. Maybe. maybe a long lost relative. Who knows? Man, pretty freaky though. Oh. Especially when you try and disassemble it. And well, that's that's it. And uh, nope. Because nine times out of ten, that's that's easy. It's like, a, it's a your bathrobe hung over the chair or exactly. Yeah, I know. But, like lately, I, I don't know if it's because I've been on edge, but. Every time I'll, I, a lot of the time lately, I'll think I'll see something out of the corner of my eye. Right. And then I look and no, I've, my brain has just pieced together right. two or three things that are there. So it's not, you know, who cares? Yeah. But if I actually looked at it and it stayed, I don't know what I'd do. No, I wouldn't be very happy. No. I have to sleep with the bedroom door closed. Really? Oh, always. Always have. Oh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot have that bedroom door open. I, when I, I I've told you this before, when I lived in my very first apartment, when I moved out of my mom's place, yeah. at first, because a huge apartment. I slept with all the doors open and I had music playing in the next room, you know, because I was 19 and I had my yeah. own sweet ass apartment. Yeah. Uh, but then over time, I became uncomfortable sleeping with the door open. And then on, over time, I became uncomfortable with leaving it unlocked. Wow. And then I, over time, I felt uncomfortable having music playing in the next room. Really? It was like I, the room, it was like the place got smaller and smaller. Yeah. It was like it just filled up with something. And then one night, I was lying in bed. And I heard, I, it would have been a busy day at work. I worked yeah. downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my ears kind of do that ringing thing yeah. as they, sort of the day goes away. And then I noticed that instead of the noise decreasing, it was increasing. And then it wasn't inside my ears. I was hearing it outside my head. Uh-oh. And I was hearing voices. And oh, boy. And dishes rattling and glasses clinking and cutlery. Like I was, like I was sitting in the middle of a dinner party yeah. in my room. yeah. And I just bravely kept my eyes closed, rolled over, and forced myself to sleep. <laughs> and that's what we do. Yep. That's what we, nine times out of ten, that's what people do. And I mean, Leslie didn't get up and turn the lights on, and no, she just sort of screw this noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because what are you going to do? You have another story though for uh, from Emmett for us. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Emmett says I wanted to share a story, not because I wanted on the show or anything. Uh, I guess I just wanted to get it off my chest to people who understand. But uh, I, I think we're going to share it here because yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's. A, I think it's a really great story. And uh, I think there will be people out there who connect with this. Yeah. This goes back to when my mother had just passed away. Most of my friends didn't know much about my mom because she was difficult for me to explain. She raised me until I was 14. She had schizophrenia and her untrust of everything had her living homeless pretty much around the world. She was also a brilliant registered nurse who was one time, who was at one time the personal live-in nurse to a very famous comedian. Mm -hmm. Like I said, she's difficult to explain. My uncle jokes that she was the only person to get kicked out of Switzerland. That really happened. <laughs> His jokes aside, I loved her very much, but treatment for her was difficult. Mm. Uh, one night, my wife had invited a couple of friends over for dinner. Uh, we had lived in our house about seven years at this point. We had dinner and listened to music, just normal stuff. Towards the end of the night, we sat at the kitchen table and we started talking. I was asked about my mom at some point and I started opening up. Everyone got really quiet because, like I said, I don't talk about her and I started to get a little teary. Mm-hmm. Just when it got to an uncomfortable level for me and probably for everyone else, the smoke alarm in our house went off. I had immediate goosebumps. We have a linked system that if one alarm goes off, they all go off. We have a three-story house, so the wow. sound is crazy. After a few minutes of running around making sure there wasn't actually a fire, they just went off by themselves. Wow. We've lived here 15 years now and they've never gone off since. That was the only time. Hmm. That's not unusual. 
No, I was just going to say there was a yeah. a family back in Revelstoke who lost one of their members, the, the the father, in a car crash. Right. And his thing was that he used to laugh so hard he cried. Right. And then one day they were uh, having a dinner outside after he'd passed and, you know, they were talking about him and, you know, they would laugh and they started laughing and, and everyone just thought, I don't know, they just kept laughing. They couldn't stop themselves from laughing. And then it just poured rain. Wow. For about five minutes. And I mean, you know, could just be, I'm sure, uh, 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 what do you call it? A skeptic's going to tell you it's just lucky timing. Yeah. But it, it was significant to them. Yes. You know? And well, it, and that's what matters. Absolutely. Um, but I, the unusual or the not so unusual part for what I was hearing from that story was the electricity thing. Oh, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> that something significant will happen. Lights flicker. Yep. All kinds of stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're pure energy, electricity would be easy to manipulate. I think, that's a go, I think it's a going theory, yeah. Yeah, that's actually kind of beautiful that yeah. his mom just wanted him to know she was there. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Emmett. That, yeah. that is a really beautiful story. Very and cool. I hope you don't mind us sharing that on mm-hmm. air, but we thought it would, uh, because I think that's more common than maybe you might imagine. Yeah. And I think there are people, again, there are going to be people out there who this resonate with. Absolutely. Our next story is from Jennifer. She wrote in and said that during a family vacation in 1904, Jennifer's super so old. Of, I was say, this isn't one of your family vacations. Yeah. <laughs> oh, back when I was a boy. Uh, during a family vacation in 1984, I had some odd things happen, she says. The first incident was at the Antietam battlefield. My mother had planned on us having lunch after visiting the museum. The spot that they'd chosen for lunch seemed nice enough. It was a nice shady spot on the road in the park. Yet as I was getting ready to take the first bite of my lunch, I got this very unsettling and overwhelming feeling that we could not eat there. Maybe what I felt was we were being watched and the watchers were not happy that lunch was happening. Whatever it was, I was ready to go, even without eating my lunch. I told my mother and brother that we couldn't eat there and they laughed at me. I was so unsettled, I don't even remember if I ate or not. I just wanted to leave. On the same family <laughs> vacation, we were con- we were continuing our travels through part of the East Coast in the U.S. We stopped at this pre-revolutionary warehouse that seemed just like the others we'd been visiting during this vacation. We were met by the caretaker who told us a story of the night massacre when the British came in and slaughtered 20 to 30 men. She added, that's why we don't show the attic. After that, I didn't want to go to the attic. Fair enough. The main floor was like any other main floor at that time. When we got up to the second floor to see the rooms, I felt like I was in a crushing crowd. Like I was in an overly crowded concert in a small bar. I could hardly breathe. I didn't want to think what the attic would have been like. Yeah. After we went back to the main floor, the caretaker told us of stories where her personal objects would disappear and then reappear. I shared what happened to me, and both my mother and brother said they felt the same thing. The caretaker chuckled and said that the men were curious about us and came out to see us. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, she included two articles about that house, about Hancock House. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so I'll include those in the show notes. That's very cool. And it, it kind of reminds me of something that happened to me in Holton House, okay. which is back in Revelstoke. It's sort of the most famous haunted house in town. Right. Is it in your book, A Strange Little Place? It is. <laughs> is it? It, it is. And, and where can you get it? Everywhere fine books is. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so no, Holton House is in there, and uh, I, I think in the book I... I don't mention this was my personal experience. I think I attribute it to someone else. Oh, because you weren't so brave then? Yeah. And now you're braver? I'm a very different person now. I, yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> the house has a lot of stories, which I, I won't get into now, but when I went to go visit for the first time, the people who were managing the place had no connection to this kind of stuff. Right. So, But they still let me tour it. And gorgeous old Queen Anne style home. But uh, the a lot of the stories had to do with the attic. So I asked if I could see the attic. The attic is enormous. Yes. Yeah. It actually used to hold a full-size basketball hoop. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's that big. So I, I went up there, and when I set foot on the top step, 
it was like all the air was pushed out of my lungs. Right. And I didn't understand what that feeling meant at the time. Yeah. But it's heavy presence. Wow. I don't know what or why, but that, that house has stories going back 50, 60 years. Wow. Yeah. I had the same sort of feeling when I was at, um, what's the place I went to this year? Barkerville. Oh, of course. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, Definitely spirits there. Anthony talks a lot about Barkerville. He says that's a very powerful place. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And so um, when I was when I was reading that story about the vacation, that it triggered that memory. Of course, because yeah. Because I've gone into places, old homes, museums, things like that, and you're like, whoop, not alone here. Yeah. Big time. Thank you so much for those stories, Jennifer. Those are really cool. And like yeah. I said, we'll post those articles about Hancock House in, um, in the show notes. This next set of stories comes from Rose. And Rose wanted to share an experience that happened when she was a teenager. Her father got a new job and moved the family a few states away to Wisconsin. Uh, so Rose's family bought a large three-story house that she says was old and plain creepy to look at even before anything happened. <laughs> it had a large attic and an unfinished basement. And she says that her first visit to the basement was one of her last. She didn't like the vibe the area had. Her bedroom was right next to the stairs and she would often hear footsteps on them. The first few times she got up to find the cause of the steps and she saw her parents were fast asleep. Eventually, she started staying in bed whenever she heard them, and it became a regular occurrence, about two to three times a week. Yikes. Though the sound never went further than the stairs. Not good. She started noticing phantom smells as well. She would wake up to the smell of baked goods when nothing was being baked, and that would suck. Yes. Now, who's making cookies? No uh, one. No one. Mother. Ghosts. Yeah. Goddamn ghosts. Ghost cookies. I'd call the Ghostbusters at that point. <laughs> you do not play with my heartstrings like that. Uh, the first time it happened, she woke up to the smell of pumpkin pie and was disappointed to find no pie in the oven. Yeah, I would be too. Yes. And not only that, but her parents didn't smell anything. That's weird. Uh, a couple of years into living in the house, and it was time for Rose to start high school. One of the friends she made came over to the house to work on a project and was shocked to find out that Rose lived in her grandmother's old house. Oh, cool. Uh, well, sort of. Rose made the mistake of asking whether or not her friend's grandmother had died in the house because she thought it was haunted, and the friend became upset. And <laughs> Whoops, there goes that friendship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turned out that the grandmother had not died in the house, but her cousin that lived with the grandmother had killed herself in the house after the grandmother left to go to a nursing home. Oh, no. She hung herself in the stairwell leading to the basement. Of course she did. Yeah. The footsteps eventually faded away a few years later, and that was the end of the activity. But, uh, wow. Yeah. So maybe the cousin just wanted to be remembered. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder if it was sort of correlated with yeah. this revelation yeah. or if yeah. it was just something that, I don't know, ran out. Yeah. You know, one of those repeating Runs things. Runs that energy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially if Rose wasn't all that scared of it. Yeah, I guess There'd it's be not, no energy if to it's feed not generating it. anything. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Our next story is from Jay, a fellow Canadian. Yay. All right. Um, in the early 2000s, Jay was working at a gentleman's lounge. I'm familiar with those. In, I'm sure you are in Eastern Canada. He'd been looking for a place to live and was offered a room in the house which had joined the club. It served as cheap accommodation for the dancers from other parts of the world or girls who needed a safe place to stay in case of emergency, abuse, and so on. The only condition of Jay staying in the house was he needed to look after the place and those who lived there. And as he says, cheap rent is cheap rent. So true. The building is a converted house split into single rooms with two baths and two kitchens for communal use. There were also two basements in the place, one accessible from the ground floor and a sub-basement you got to by a tiny staircase from the second floor. It was in the sub-basement, while doing some early exploration of the place, that he found several old boxes stacked in a corner that obviously hadn't been touched for decades. There was dust, dirt, and mold all over them, not to mention that the boxes themselves were collapsing from age. Most of what Jay found inside was junk, except for what looked to be an old war medal, which he took back upstairs so he could have a better look at it. 
He threw it into a drawer with every intention of returning it after he'd found out what it was and who it had belonged to. Naturally, between work, play, and life in general, he forgot about it pretty quickly. Living next to a gentleman's uh, club, I would forget about things too. <laughs> Fast forward a couple of weeks, and he'd come back from his shift exhausted and crashed immediately. He woke up on an uncertain amount of time later, freezing cold and feeling completely freaked out. He remembers feeling so afraid he didn't even want to open his eyes, but forced himself to. In the near dark, he could see the silhouette of a tall, skinny person, sort of leaning over him, but not moving. No details visible, just the outline cast in the tiny amount of light from the streetlight outside his window. Naturally, he was terrified and tried to pull the blankets up, but realized he couldn't move. All the while, the silhouette didn't move or make a sound. As always seems to happen with these stories, he fell asleep after a time and woke up the next morning to a warm, well-lit room. For about two weeks after, he refused to sleep in that room and was teased mercilessly for being afraid of what everyone said was a dream. At this point, Jay mentions he's six foot four and almost 300 pounds, so <laughs> the teasing wasn't that shocking. Sometime later, he was out with a group of people, among whom was a young woman who claimed she had psychic abilities. Jay says he always takes people like this with a grain of salt because of all the BS that's out there in the media. Yeah, fair enough. But he didn't want to insult her, so he didn't say much. The woman proceeded to tell each person in the group something about themselves. And when she got to Jay, she told him he had a small silver medal that had a negative spirit around it, and he should get rid of it ASAP. Wow. As soon as he got home, he tossed the medal into a nearby dumpster and hasn't seen the silhouette since. Huh. It's a really great story, and I was kind of thinking about this as, as you were telling it. We always sort of assume spirits are attached to things. Right. But I wonder if it's possible that they can covet things like people do. Hmm. You know, if, if, if they, you know, they just begin attached to the idea of that, that metal, you know, like you took it and now I'm mad at you for taking, I'm not attached to it. I'm mad. Because you took it away from my other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I can you know, see cause, that. Cause if it was, if it's an abandoned basement. Yeah. More, mostly abandoned sub basement. Cause it's a sub basement and no one yeah. in the right mind ever goes to a friggin' sub basement. <laughs> um, you know, it probably had the place to itself for decades. Oh yeah. And, and all its stuff to itself. That's it. Yeah. I can see that. So I wonder if there's an element of that in there. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of a, kind of a dragon's gold yeah, thing. absolutely. And you changed what they were used to. Yeah, that's it. They don't like that. No, so I wonder if it followed wherever the thing went. Yep, that makes sense to me. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for uh, for writing in, Jay. Yeah. This story is, uh, I really, I mean, they're all, they're all great stories. This one really interests me because it's not the first time I've heard of something like this. Yeah. Uh, so this comes from Carly. And uh, Carly says, I just listened to the one year anniversary episode and heard the story about the Canadian man who drove in his sleep and murdered two people. Or, well, I mean, he says he was in his sleep. Right. Uh, she says, disclaimer, I haven't ever murdered anyone, <laughs> uh, but I have driven in my sleep after having a horrible nightmare Yikes. accompanied by sleep paralysis. I don't think I've ever actually heard of anyone else who's done that. No. Uh, that only happened once, she says, but it really scared me and I sometimes worry it could happen again. As a kid, I had terrible nightmares and it's always been difficult for me to sleep alone. Even now, I prefer to sleep in a room with someone else. I've also always avoided watching anything on television that might cause nightmares. I never knew about most paranormal phenomenon until I started listening to podcasts six months ago. Once I did, I realized I had experienced many of these things without knowing what they were. Hmm. Since then, I feel like I've woken up from what had been a sheltered life. My family are deeply Christian, and so they turned a blind eye when these things happened and never spoke of them. Yep. Yeah, as you know from yep. experience. <laughs> Lately, I found out many of the women in my family have been tortured by the same feelings of dread and the same horrific nightmares. Wow. 
I realize that that is a lot of background information, but I have no idea how to process this and haven't had the opportunity to discuss these happenings with someone who's been open and understands it more than I do. I am from the Bible Belt of America and many people refuse to talk about this Mm -hmm. and look down upon those who want to. I'm not trying to put a bad rap on Christianity. I just know I can't get answers from people here. Right. The first sleep paralysis incident I can remember happened when I was 13. Most of the time when it happens, I hear awful noises like a chainsaw behind my head or manic laughter, see shadow people, terrifying dolls or people I know who turn evil, and new windows or doors suddenly appearing in my room that weren't there before. That first time, I woke up suddenly in my room in the middle of the night. I saw the shadow of a man standing at the foot of my bed. I couldn't see his eyes, but I knew he was staring at me. It was definitely not the silhouette of my dad because this figure was skinny and taller than he was. And that sounds a lot like what Jay just described. Yeah, yeah. It only lasted for maybe 30 seconds, and the next thing I know, it's morning. When I went downstairs for breakfast, my mom and older sister were talking in the kitchen about how they'd heard cabinets slamming open and shut during the night. An hour or so later, we received a phone call informing us that a meth house about a quarter of a mile away had exploded in the night. My family attributed the cabinet slamming to that, and when I told them about my experience, they said it was just a dream. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get that's just an excuse, because an explosion might open cabinets, maybe, if it's close enough. I don't think a quarter of a mile away is going to do it, but it's not going to open them and close them. No, no. Many of my dreams have to do with demons in the form of monsters. It's hard to explain, but in them I will be jumping around from body to body. At one point I will be in the body of the person being attacked, then I will be someone who gets away, and finally I will be someone who is trying to stop the attack but cannot. At the end of each dream, the monster will smile in victory, not because it killed someone, but because I couldn't stop it. Yikes. The other major dream I wanted to talk about was the one where I drove while being asleep. I had just gone to sleep and suddenly was in a state of paralysis. There were two shadow people standing over me, telling me I needed to get up and run because he's coming. Oh no. Behind me I hear a low motor sound, but at first I didn't think anything of it because my house backs to a wooded area by the interstate. Then I realized the noise was a chainsaw, and it was getting closer. I ran and hid, and the shadow people would pretend to help me, then tell the man where I was. Somehow I knew my body was still in bed, so I decided that running and hiding was useless. Everything went dark for a minute, and I dreamed I was on the phone with my mom asking if I could come to my parents' condo. It went dark again, And then I was dreaming I was in the truck on the interstate heading there. It went dark again, and I was crying and hugging my mom, asking what was real. Hmm. Finally, it went completely dark, and the next thing I knew, my mom was waking me up at their condo the next morning. I actually had called her, drove on the interstate 15 minutes to their place, and had a conversation with my mom while being asleep and thinking it was a dream. This had never happened before, and I hope this never happens again. It was probably the scariest moment of my life, and I don't understand how I did all of this without crashing or harming anyone. Is this common? Could this be stress-induced? Uh, and she has questions. She says, is it possible for a family to be cursed? Since most of the females in my family have said they have experienced extreme night terrors, I have wondered what could cause this, or could it be some kind of genetic hormone imbalance? Is it possible to open yourself up to more experiences by learning and talking about what has happened to you? I'm not saying I really want more. I definitely consider myself a complete chicken and refuse to walk into places if I have a bad feeling. <laughs> There's that gut again. There you go. And run away as fast as I can if I feel it coming into my area. Yeah. And that's a lot to unpack. Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break from a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to break this down. Perfect. Once upon a time, there was a great warrior named Sudio. He would ride into battle on his trusty bear, Berylon. Ian's shaking his head. No, I'm not allowed to do this. Okay. Instead, you want me to tell him about your headphones. Why don't you do it? You're eating a Slurpee. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear that. Ian got the Studio Regent, which is their premium on-ear model with impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones and well-balanced sound. With 24 plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life, the Regent is the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It will connect to any device that has Bluetooth, but also has an auxiliary cord if you don't want to use a wireless option. 
If you'd like to try your own pair of Studio Regent or check out the rest of the Studio catalog, go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, and enter the promo code Ghost Story Guys for 15% off your order. Studio also provides free worldwide shipping. Again, that's studio.com, S-U-D-I-O.com, and enter the promo code Ghost Story Guys for 15% off your order. Are you ever actually going to help me with one of these things? No. One last thing, we are pleased to announce that our musical guest from episode 27, The Abyss, is readying his first two EPs for release. Those albums, Glass Ocean and Void, are available for pre-order now on iTunes and will be released on April 20th. For more information on The Abyss, go to instagram.com slash radioabyss. Congratulations, man. Welcome back. Before the break, we told Carly's story. And, uh, and now we're going to see if we can answer some of the questions or at least have a good guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because like I said, there, there's a lot here. The first thing I want to say is both Ian and I really believe these things are happening. Yeah. And, oh yeah. But we will say, you know, if you have an opportunity, if, if you're seeing things out of the corner of your eye, if you're seeing, experiencing sort of any kind of disassociation, it is important to see a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I mean, odds are it's fine. But you never know. Could it be stress-induced? I mean, absolutely, I think. If yeah. you're under a lot of stress, I mean... I know people sleepwalk because of stress. Yeah, I think yeah. it's called parasomnias. Yeah. So, I mean, there definitely are... Uh, there can be stress triggers for these kind of things. Yeah. And to a certain degree, I think some of this does sound stress-related. And, yeah. and, I mean, if you don't have stress in your life, then I think, okay, that's you can set that aside. Yeah. But if you're at a point where you're saying, well, you know, I do have stress, then I think that's worth considering. Is it possible for a family to be cursed? You know what? I don't know. Is it a curse or is it a gift? Yeah, that's it. It's how you interpret it. It's how you interpret it. And I think it's, you know, if, if you're, if you have the sensitivity, but you don't know what to do with it, yeah. I think that is a curse, but Absolutely. not in the sense of someone putting it on you. No. Just a curse in the sense that you don't know how to react yeah. and how to handle it. Yeah. The, one of the reasons I, it was me telling this one is because I know a family that is going through something like this. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, I can't be real specific, but someone I know, if they are going through stress, that will initiate these. Really? And they have been visited by shadow people since they were a child. Oh, no. It seems like what they do is similar to what's happening here, is that they try and cause terror. Wow, okay. This person has told me stories about nightmares where they're wandering the house and their family's dead. Right. And, or, or these shadow things are pursuing them. Right. It's like they're trying to generate fear. Right. And they don't know for sure because their family's very religious. Ah, again. Yeah. But this person is fairly certain that their father has experienced this. Right. Because there is a particular noise they make in their sleep when this terror is happening. Right. And they have heard this noise from their father. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the other siblings won't talk about it at all. But they're fairly certain. Healthy Christian families. I know, right? Just don't talk about it because it's not happening. Yeah, it'll go away. No, that is interesting. But I wonder if it's tied to the religious stuff too. Like eh, um, like something is trying to get through. Something is trying to get out. Something is trying to be heard. And because of the religious beliefs, it's just suppressed and suppressed and suppressed yeah, and suppressed. Yeah, well, and I think- And it's going to come out somehow. Well, uh, the, uh, sort of counterpoint to that, I think if you have the sensitivity and you're not aware of it and you don't know how to process it, yes. I think that makes you vulnerable. Oh, I agree. There's sort of another similarity here in that this person who's who, oh, I know, they said that they can feel when they go to bed at night yeah. on the nights they're coming. Wow. So and they it's, know. It's that language. Wow. They're coming. Wow. That would be awful. Yeah. What's interesting too, the, the idea of the, the sound, 
I've experienced that not when I'm sleeping so much, but uh, have you ever done sensory deprivation? No, I don't ever want to be alone with my own thoughts. <laughs> that would be hell. <laughs> I, used to, I used to have a membership to the sensory deprivation place here at the float house. Yeah. Something that happens, and I actually started, I complained about it for a while before they pointed out that it was not them, Them is I'd be in the tank. And of course, sensory deprivation, you're in a, a, a tank full of saline water. You're yeah. laying on top of the water. You're naked in the dark. Gross. And yes, but you it, theoretically, you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. And you just sort of lay there and drift. That would be my definition of hell. It's it's quite nice. Sure, okay. But what I found was about 45 minutes in, because the whole appointment is 90 minutes. Right. About 45 minutes in, I would hear someone banging on the wall behind me. And the door is to the front. Right. So, and behind you is, yeah, just a drywall. Yeah. So I'd hear someone banging on the wall. And so finally, you know, I, I and this happened three times in a row, I think. And I could never get back down to a state of relaxation after that. Right. So I'd get, you know, shower, get dressed. And I would, I said to the front desk, first time I let it go, second time I said to the front desk, hey man, you know, I heard some banging. It's kind of annoying. And he looked at me sort of funny. Third time I said, hey, what's on the other side of the wall in that room? And he said, oh, that's the parkade. I said, okay, well, there's some jackass who likes to bang on the wall of the parkade. And he looked at me and he said, well, he said, it's not right there. He said, I mean, there's empty space behind that wall. And then there's a cinder block wall, and then there's empty space, and another cinder block wall, and there's the parkade. Oh, so... No idea. Wow. But there, I would hear knocking. And I know there is something called exploding head syndrome. Okay. Where you hear some people when they're drifting off to sleep, hear something that sounds like a gunshot. Like I've had that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've yeah. had that, where you're just about to sleep, and then it's like you hear a loud noise, and you jerk away. Exactly. It's a startle reflex. Yeah, it's called exploding head syndrome. Oh, really? I didn't yep. know it had a name. Yep. Um, pretty I, dramatic name, but I don't care for it. <laughs> no, no, I bet it gets your heart going and yeah, God, it's not weird. Yeah. yeah, this was just like boom, boom, boom. Okay, that's not exploding head syndrome. No, it was. I don't know. It was just a strange experience. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I I've definitely heard of things like this, and and I don't I don't envy at all, no, Carly. No, I mean, that's no. that's awful. I hope it gets better. Me too. Um, is it possible to open yourself up to more experiences by learning and talking about what has happened to you? I. <laughs> I think it, it can. Um, I think you have to be careful. I think you're more aware of it. You do become more aware of it, but I think at the same time you have to know your limit. Yes, absolutely. Because I think if you sort of open up too much. Your you, head falls out. Your brain falls yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. If you're too open-minded, your brain falls yeah, out. Yeah, and that's sort yeah. of it. I think you think you can open the door too much. And not just the paranormal things. I think you can kind of think yourself into a hole. Yeah. You know, and kind I of agree. overly excite yourself. Demons and, behind every tree. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, like I said, Carly, I think, again, I think you'll be okay. I would um, maybe look up way, sort of meditation exercises, yep. ways to protect yourself. Yep. And I, if you if the parasomnia does continue, I, w- I would maybe see a doctor about that. I'd see the doctor. I'd also visualize some kind of protective light. Yeah, um, and, and that sounds something I always thought sounded corny, but it helps. Even if it's a psychological coping mechanism, it's effective. But I told you about me doing that when I was a kid, right? Have I told you about that? I was 11. Maybe. Tell me um, There was something really odd about the house I grew up in, um, and I knew nothing about the paranormal. Again, very religious, very fundamentally Christian. And so it's weird to me that people now say you should do this to protect yourself because I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I needed to find a way to keep 
whatever was coming after me away. Right. And so what I would do is I would say a prayer. And as I would say the prayer, I would visualize what I was praying. So I would lie in bed. I remember very, very clearly lying in bed. And I would say, God, please fill this room with white light that nothing bad can get in. And then I'd say, God, please fill this room and my brother's room with the white light. Nothing can get in. And I would say that every time. My room, my brother's room, the hallway. My room, my brother's room, the hallway, the bathroom. And in my head... Every time I did it, the light got brighter. It filled those spaces. And I would do it all the way out. I would literally, in my head, pray and go through every single room and space in the house. The attic, the basement, the garage, the backyard, the front yard. And when I had done that, in my mind, my whole house was this blinding, white light filled thing and there were things on the outside in the backyard you know at the edge of the backyard sure, yeah, the yeah, front yeah. Yard, but they couldn't get in interesting and i was 11 that's like incredible. where did that come from but i knew somehow that that worked and that would keep me safe for about two nights wow yeah it would kind of wear off and i'd have to do it again but how did i know that well, it, it's I mean, so weird. Well, you've, it's, it does seem like you've always had a very strong instinct mm. for these kinds of things. Yeah, so that no, does, that's true. It does seem very. Did I tell you about meeting my biological mother about around that? No, I don't think so. She told me when I met her when because she asked me a few very pointed questions about do you see things, do you feel things, do you? Oh, okay. And I said yes, and she said that makes sense to me. And I said why is that? And she said, well, my mother, my grandmother, your great grandmother, was the village wise woman. Oh. And she told me growing up as a little girl that her abilities would not go to me or my brother or my two sisters. They would go to the firstborn of our children. Oh. And I looked at her and she looked at me and smiled and she said, and guess who you are? Uh. And then I was telling this story to a friend of mine. We were driving to a conference, and this guy is not into the paranormal. He's not into weird. He's not into anything. And I told him the story because I was like, well, it's weird. You know, I just met my birth mom, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she said I got her hereditary powers. And he says without missing a beat, he goes, yeah, she's very proud of you. She's behind you right now. And we were in the dark in the car going to this conference. And I said, what? And he goes, well, I'm assuming that's who it is because it's an old lady and she's sitting right behind you and she has her hand on your shoulder and she's just so proud of you and so proud of, of how you're using her abilities. Oh, wow. And I looked at her and I'm like, F- off. <laughs> but in a, in a way, I mean, I, maybe being adopted, not having that growing up, right. that meant a huge amount to me. Oh, of course. And it explained a lot. Yeah. Of things like being eleven and knowing yeah, yeah. how to how to fend, defend myself. So, who knows? But as far as I know, and for and I've had one other person confirm that without me telling them anything. But there is an old woman who is related to me, who is um, who has given me her powers and is is very proud of me and is with me a lot. Huh. So. Well, no, I mean, who knows? That's it. And I think roll with it. If it works, yeah. it works. So far, it's working. So, no, I think it's I think it's valuable. So, Carl, yeah. you, give that a try. Yeah, um, and 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 you hear like Brandon and I both have our own experiences with it. So, it's not like you're alone. No, no, you're definitely not alone. Yeah. And uh, keep in touch. Yeah, you know, it will answer questions best we can. Yeah, and we know a lot of people who are a hell of a lot smarter than us. So oh, absolutely. Up the chain <laughs> if we need to. Absolutely. 
our last story of the night comes from Terry. Terry has corresponded with us several times. Her and her husband are new arrivals to Vancouver Island, are renting a garden suite from friends while they wait for their house to be built, and here's their story. We're currently renting a walkout suite from friends in the North Cowichan area. Our friend's house is a beautiful new home with an amazing ocean view. The house is only about five years old, and during those five years, we've stayed in the suite at least four or five times. We did this to help us make a knowledgeable decision as to whether we would like it on the island enough to make the move from the prairies. October of last year, we sold our house and moved into their suite. And about the same time, our friends moved back to the prairies as he was offered a temporary three-year position there. We are now alone in the house. A few more things which might be helpful for you to know about the house is that it's built around a huge black rock. They did not want the expense of blasting, so the top of the rock takes up a big portion of the basement. Which is not unusual around here. I no, say. I, the first house Nick lived in when she was here, she rented a basement suite, and the whole base—I want to say seventy-five percent of the basement was a rock. Yeah, and they either encase it in cement or just leave it. Yeah, th- it was just like, yeah. jutting out of walls. Yeah. The second thing is that at the end of the driveway, there's a cabin. It's very old and decrepit. It was built for a logging camp and was moved here as an office for the previous landowner. It creeps me out every time I go near it. I used to walk my dog out there, and he was always jittery and would try to pull me to the front door to investigate. One morning, I was walking around with my camera, taking pictures, and I took one of the cabin. When I looked at it later, I zoomed in on the window and was shocked to see a face. I have never showed this to our friends because she spends quite a bit of time on the property alone, and I didn't want to freak her out. When we first came out to visit our friends shortly after the house was built, we of course thought the house was just beautiful. I have never seen such an amazing view, and we were very happy for them and a bit envious too. However, it didn't take too much time in the house for me to realize I felt uncomfortable in it. The longer I stayed in the place, the worse it got. I could handle it if there were others, but I did not like being there alone, and I still don't. I occasionally need to use their washer and dryer, as there isn't one in our suite, but I spend as little time as possible while doing it. We actually take our clothes to the laundromat quite often, and for that, I am grateful. Wow. One day, when our friends were still home, and I was helping her with the dishes, I noticed a piece of selenite crystal propped up in the kitchen window. She seemed a little bit embarrassed about it, but told me she was experiencing something unsettling in the house, and a friend told her the crystals might help. When I probed her for a bit more info, she indicated she also had the house smudged, but she would not tell me exactly why. I've since found these crystals placed in every corner window of the house. Mm. Another thing that's bothering me in the house are my dreams. I've had quite a few deceased family members regularly show up in my dreams. The closest deceased family, grandmother, mom, dad, and sister, are now in my dreams pretty much every night. This never happened to me before. A few weeks ago, we had family come to stay with us over the Easter holiday. Our sleeping arrangements landed me and my husband upstairs to sleep while our guests stayed in our suite. The first night, my dreams were downright scary, and my husband had to wake me to settle me down. The second night was horrifying. I've never had such terrifying dreams. I actually woke up screaming and could not settle down after. Scared the crap out of my husband too, I might add. My daughter also went upstairs by herself while she was here. I didn't tell her anything about it, as I didn't want to spoil her visit. But she told me that she felt very uncomfortable upstairs, and it creeped her out to the point that she had to leave and go back to the suite downstairs. I have a few more things which I have not included because I'm not sure if they're related, but I can say there have been no apparitions or disembodied voices, no footsteps upstairs, just some scratching noises I can't account for. I do hope these experiences don't escalate. We're only here until the first week of May when our house is finished, and I'll let you know if anything else happens. You can use my story if you'd like, but I'd like to remain anonymous, and I still haven't talked to our friends about my experiences here, and probably won't, unless I feel it's necessary. So is it the house? 
or am I crazy? Brennan, don't tell me it could be both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Terry, that's that's the house. Mm-hmm. That's not you. That's that's. I mean, it's, it's affecting other people. Yeah, it's clearly well, affecting. It's the, other the pe- land. Yeah, that's it. It's the land. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's. I mean, very powerful. Yeah. Land out there. Absolutely in the valley. Yeah. And also, um, in, and I've talked about this before, nearby Shawnigan Lake, it's actually known as one of the very few places on Vancouver Island that First Nations people have never Right, because you're saying settled. place of shadows or- And place where something is happening I do not understand. In case of this house, I don't know that there's much you can do. If, if, no. If you've had it smudged and the crystals aren't doing anything- no, I, I, I think um, the only way you're going to be able to have something done is if you're going to be like, okay, this is what's going on and we need to take ownership of this. Right. It's a bit like leaving the sugar bowl out and then setting up traps for ants. Right. Yeah, you're going to trap some ants, but you're still going to attract more. Right, right, right. So you kind of, that's the feeling I'm getting from this story. could be something to do with the cabin. Right. That wouldn't surprise me. I feel like the cabin doesn't help. No. But I feel like it's not the source. Not the source. No. But it doesn't help. But I I really do believe that um, there's something with the land. I also understand why Terry doesn't want to talk to her friends about it, because they're not open about it. No. And and you don't want to be like, oh, hey, thanks for letting us stay in your house. It's hella haunted. Yeah, yeah, your creepy ass house. You don't want to do that. No, of course. And I've run into that when people have gone looking for houses and they know I have some sort of ability. So they'll be like, hey, we're doing our final walkthrough before we put an offer. Will you come? Right. So if they do that, I will be absolutely 100% honest with them. But I've had the other side of things where people have already bought the house and they asked me to come. And I had this experience not that long ago. Thankfully, neither of them had any sort of uh, paranormal abilities or psychic abilities. So even if they... Even if there was something in the house, they wouldn't pick up on it. Right. So when I went there, I didn't tell them the whole truth. Huh? Because there absolutely was something in the right. house. Right. They did have some weird things happen, but they just attributed that up to, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, well, I know who it is. Um, but uh, yeah, when you have a house like that, you do need to, you need to take care of need it. Need to deal with it. Uh, or you're cool with it. Right. Yeah. Um, well, rather, I don't know how you'd be cool with nightmares and shit. I mean, that's. No, seems, that's not cool. No. That's I don't think cool. there's any way to live with this thing and No, be happy. not that. Not Because this feels like a souring influence. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way to put that. I mean, I, I guess the worst part is, you know, the, the, the way we live in sort of our modern society, there's no room for this. So you're, no. you're left with a problem that you're told you don't have. Right. But you have. Right. And then what the hell do you do? Because right. you don't have a frame of reference. You no. have no tools. No. And I mean, most people, you know, even sometimes myself, I feel. A little bit strange saying, yeah. well, you know, try and smudging because yeah. it, I feel like a lunatic because I know. in my day-to-day existence. And we are, we are taught that that's kooky. Yeah. It's not normal. But even yesterday I was coming home from working on the show at, up at McDee's at yeah. two in the morning yeah. and there's this enormous 900, I think it's 940 meter long sewer pipe being assembled yes, a few blocks I've down from where we live. That. It's incredible. It is incredible. It just stretches for blocks. Yeah. So they have these makeshift stairs over top of it and I really wanted to get a night shot like a landscape night yep. shot overlooking this thing stretching all the way down to the yeah. distance. But of course it's on Niagara, yeah. which is that super yeah. highway. Yeah. So I, I drove down there literally right to it, was just about to get out of the car and I couldn't, it was like I couldn't lift my arms to get out of the car. I get that. But if I turn the car on, fine. And, and I just left. And it's thought, unsettling during the day. Oh, that's it? Let alone at night. And I, But it was crazy because I thought, you know, I'm being stupid. This is, I'm just getting out of here. Oh, which reminds me, before we uh, cut, to, cut to the break, Yeah. I, you know, we had the conversation. Peter asked if we knew of any places that had shadows. Yeah. Well, I actually ended up walking by Edelweiss the, uh, Edel- Edelweiss the, the other day. Yes. I went for a walk. It was middle of the day. Gorgeous day. Yeah. I got within 
a hundred feet. I, I, hundred feet. I was looking at my phone, and all of a sudden something hit me, and I thought, "Whoa, where am I?" I looked around. There I am. I've never been in there, and I'd never even heard of it, or even seen it, or noticed it, or knew it was there, until I started talking to Andrea, who has the all-girl paranormal investigation group, right? Yep. And uh, Beyond the Shadows, and um, and now I hear about it all the time. Interesting. It's so weird, and it's apparently one of the hottest paranormal spots in the city. I couldn't even get close. Weird. I, I thought I'd get a little bit closer because the pipe, that's where the pipe starts. Yeah. And so I got a little closer and no, it was, uh, again, it felt like the closer I got, the harder it got to move. And I backed off and the better I felt. So wow. I just stayed the hell away. But you could feel it probably a good hundred feet away from where that street starts. Yeah. You could feel it. Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Oh. There. Yeah. So no, t- uh, Terry, we don't think you're crazy. Nope. And, um, I, uh, I'm glad I don't live there, and I'm glad you're not going to be there much longer. Yeah, exactly. I hope your new house isn't built on a rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at least at least not that kind. Nope. All right, well, that's going to do it for our listener stories. We're going to take a quick break and come back with some listener mail and something kind of weird that happened in the studio. Welcome back. Thanks to everyone who sent in stories. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I do love telling listener stories. We and, do. And uh, as it turns out, it knocked loose some memories. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, judging from something that happened, which uh, we might include in the outtakes, I jarred loose something here too. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking, Ian, I was talking, and all of a sudden I saw something move. And I didn't see it. I had my back to it, but I felt it. You know, what did you feel? Uh, I don't even know. I just froze up. It was that instinct thing where your shoulders kind of hunch up. Yeah. Yeah. I felt it right away. Because I thought I saw someone turn a light on in the other room, but we're the only people here. Yes. And And no light went on. No light went on. No. Uh, And so then that's when it started. Yep. And uh, it got a little weird for a while. Yeah. And then I went out to the bathroom, which is down the hall. And yeah, it's not feeling good tonight. We will be leaving here together. Yes. 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 And and quickly. (laughs) Yes. Um, and that leads me into something that happened while I was in the studio, uh, just a little over two, a little over a week ago, I was in here working on large to the truth, my, Mm -hmm. my radio show. And, um, I had some electrical interference I couldn't figure out on, uh, when I was recording the opening segment. And then I went back and listened to the whole thing. And that's when I heard this. So that was my Friday. Uh, it was a weird one. Uh, but someone who had a much better Friday than I did was the San Francisco-based artist Ash, whose debut album Mother finally dropped on that day. I met Ash 10 years ago in a Casablanca hostel, and he was a great guy. He partnered up with my cousin and I who were traveling. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's not okay. No. I I, I mean, everyone, if you want to write in, tell me what you think it sounds like. Yeah. But to me, that sounds like a woman's voice saying hello. Yeah. Uh, and I, I passed that over to Steve and Rachel from Hexagram to kind of look at. Look sort at of debunk it a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they couldn't. No. Um, you know, the, the waveform, because Steve's thought was maybe it was some kind of electrical interference or like yeah. a spike. Yeah. The waveform is completely natural. Yeah. Um, the only, there's only one particular 
uh, view, like, look way of looking at the audio that you can see th- that part. Right. But we can't figure out where it came from. No. Now my show at at the the outro music has a woman saying hello. Right. At the end. Right. But, but not like that. Not like no. that. And it was. It was in the show, but it was on a separate track in audition. Yeah. So it was not playing while I was recording. No. Uh, not only that, but Steve actually went in and tried to make the two match, and he he said he couldn't. Yeah. He said he tried. He, he had to speed up. Uh, I think my outro, like the woman saying hello in that, two point four times, and do some other things to it to even get it close, and, and it, it still, still wasn't close. Yeah. And what's crazy is after that happened. After I heard that, yeah. the electrical interference stopped. Wow. Didn't pick up anything else on the rest of the show. So weird. So that something was trying to get a hold of you, and then it did, and then it was happy. I guess so. Boy, enjoy spending your time here alone. Huh? I know, right? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, that's uh, it's a whole thing, man. Wow. Um, Ra- funny, actually, Rachel, she kept trying to give me outs to admit that I was joshing. Yeah. That it was like a, a what's the word, like a put on. Yeah, yeah. And no, that yeah. was, it literally just happened and I sent it to you, I yeah, sent it to yeah. them. I almost walked right out of here. I would have done that. Because that was the holiday Monday. Yeah, and I so was there's the nobody here in the only building. Only person in the building. Yeah. And uh, I thought, nope, we're done. But I, I had to finish the show, so I had no <laughs> choice. But that was genuine, not scary, but just unnerving. Yeah. Because- Again, we talk about this stuff a lot, but yeah. mostly for yeah. me, it's mostly sensations. Yeah. And ultimately, I can say, oh, I'm just imagining it. Yeah. That, that's hard to- Yeah, that's I in know. your face. I know. I don't like that. So again, if you have a different take on that, or if you have a, yeah. a suggestion, I'd love to hear from you. Please tell us. Yes. All right. Uh, we're going to do a quick round of listener mail, okay. and then we're headed out. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. We had an email from Teresa uh, asking Ian for some dream interpretation, which mm-hmm. he helpfully provided. <laughs> and also, uh, sh- we thought we'd give her a shout out to her show, the Peculiar Mayhem podcast. You can yeah. find that at peculiarmayhem.com. I believe she's on iTunes and all those great places. Very cool. And she's on Twitter at Peculiar Mayhem. So drop her a line and uh, listen to her show. Yes. And actually, on that subject, another one of our listeners, Sarah, I started a podcast called Resolution Unknown, which is about true crime and the paranormal. Nice. Yeah. So you Great can, combo. Yeah. You can find her again on SoundCloud, iTunes, and I believe at resolutionunknown.com and on Instagram and Twitter. Nice. Uh, we had another message from Cassandra. It's always nice to hear from her. Uh, she mentioned about the, uh, there's an article floating around about the woman suing the state of California because she's in danger from Bigfoot. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that. This is happening in Crestline, California. Cassandra lives in Crestline, and she said she's never seen any such sign of of a creature in the woods, and her husband's been through all the trails and hasn't seen it either, but she has heard strange sounds and music coming coming from the ravine in her backyard at night. She said she usually just shrugs it off as fairy music. But, uh, and hasn't, and hasn't heard it since the winter solstice. Hmm. So they probably moved and have yet to return for the summer. Cool. And that's really interesting. I mean, that, that's according to the literature. That's what they do. Yeah. Is yeah. That, you know, they do move. Nomadic. So that's fascinating. So that's th- really Thank cool. you for writing in Casey. Uh, we had an email from Kathy asking to buy, uh, one copy each of our books. Yeah. Which is totally doable. So Kathy, we uh, we haven't figured that out yet, but, uh, we will probably in the next week or so. You we'll bet. get back to you. And uh, if you want to buy, if you too would like to buy copies of our books, <laughs> uh, we don't uh, we don't really have a mechanism set up for autograph copies yet. I no, guess we should do that. We should. But uh, in the meantime, you know, you can find Ian's book, Victoria's Most Haunted, uh, on Amazon, 
yeah. all those great places. If you live in town, all the local bookstores. Exactly, yeah. And my book, A Strange Little Place, if that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Available where all fine books are sold. Or really just Amazon. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some some chapters still have them in store. Nice. But uh, but yeah, Amazon, it's, it's definitely on there. Uh, yes, I actually just got another royalty check today. The big uh, $60. So you were rolling in oh, it. Oh, man. I don't know what I'm going to do with all this money. And speaking of books and, uh, and, and publishing places, I have to thank Tori. Your, oh, of course. Your arch nemesis. <laughs> um, for producing for me an amazing little book card. So then people are like, what's the name of your book again? I can give them the book card, which is a card with my book cover on it. And on the back, it's got my email address and and all that. It's very cool. So thank you, Tori, for making that. I originally thought the um, graphics guy made it, but no, Tori made it. That's great. They look really good. They do look really good. So thank and, you, uh, Tori. I'll forgive you for not making any for me. Uh, yeah, different publisher. So Still. You know, I thought we had something. <laughs> you called her the predator. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, we also had a really nice email from Sean who uh, wrote in with some questions. And um, I hope we were able to answer them for you. Ian answered. He's he's a better human being than I am, John. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much for writing in. I, I do read the emails. I just most of the time I let Ian handle it because again he's just better at it than I am. <laughs> we had a message from Jessica. Oh, I was going to say though the other thing um, about Tori. I talked about that weird haunted hospital I stayed in. Right. Tori's family is from Elkhorn, Manitoba. She knew the hospital. That's incredible. And she said it was totally creepy even when she was a kid. Wow. So there you go. It's a small world. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I mean, Elkhorn has like 100 people in it. Like <laughs> All of whom desperately want to leave. All, they have a club where they talk about how they can get out. Yeah, no. <laughs> so there you go. Sorry, you were saying. Uh, saying we had an email from Jessica, um, just letting us know she enjoys the show, enjoys uh, my fabulously obnoxious and perverse sense of humor, just like her husband's. Yeah. Yep, and uh, apparently she lives near Waverly Hills, which yeah, is pretty, pretty cool. famous. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's been on a tour. That's something I'd love to do sometime. So thank you, Jessica. Uh, we had another email friend from Amanda, and Amanda was saying that she's, um, she, if you recall from previous shows, Amanda's had a lot of activity kind of ramping up in her mm-hmm. house. Uh, apparently, she's bringing in a paranormal group to check it out. Yeah. So let us know what happens. Please with that, Amanda. let We're us know. Really curious. Yeah. And our final email today comes from Jill, and I uh, just want to say she enjoys the show. And uh, she recommends someone that we might want to interview. So we'll keep that in mind, Jill. We're I think we're sort of easing back on interviews. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems to be less popular. Uh, but uh, but again, thank you so much, and we will definitely keep that in mind. Yeah. So that's going to do it for email. I think we're going to get out of here before this place gets any worse. Ian has uh, some news for us. I do. Um, so I, I organized for us a table at the Sydney Night Market, which sounds so much cooler than it is. <laughs> um, it is super popular. They have amazing food, which is pretty much the only reason they go. I'm excited. Um, and it's going to be Brennan and I uh, showing our books along with Barbara Smith, who is one of our personal heroes. Absolutely. Um, Barbara has written over 30 ghost books. She's got a new one coming out. Um, so the three of us, you can come and we will sign a book for you at our table. You we can will buy sign books from literally us. whatever you want. Pretty I mean, much. Yeah. Um, so now I'm excited because I have dates for this. Oh, cool um it's always on a thursday night uh in june it's going to be june 14th in sydney bc in july it's going to be july 19th and in august the very last one we're doing is august 30th and that's going to be the last one uh that we do so do come do say hi even if you don't buy a book we would still love to see oh, you oh yeah yeah otherwise we're just going to be sitting there alone sad 
we're not gonna be sorry eating things. We are gonna mini donuts. Oh, I can't eat mini donuts. Damn, they're so good. Oh, they have they, salmon burgers and shit. You can have one of those. Salmon. Of course you are. <laughs> you said they have lamb though, right? Yeah, they do. I do like lamb. Okay, and we'll find you like a snow cone with nothing in it, so you can eat that. So just, just ice shavings. Ice shavings. Fun. You'll know it because we'll have um, a table with a black tablecloth on it and a banner with our logo hanging from it and i will refuse to wear a shirt so that will oh jesus <laughs> as long as you wear pants no deal a <laughs> uh, big big thank you to arcade high for letting us use their song yeah i don't believe that song is available for sale but you can get their albums pixel passion and kingdom on itunes and bandcamp cool thanks to to pizzanta music for mm-hmm. our intro and outro music as always you can find him online at soundcloud.com slash pizzanta music thanks to our researcher luke greensmith who yes. really helped out with the episode that was going to be this time <laughs> and has been pushed to next time because i i felt like it needed a little more breathing room i like it but uh, and you know what listener episodes i love those oh yeah no I, it's so nice connecting with yeah, people who uh, who listen to the show so thank you luke don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, anywhere else you can rate the podcast. It just helps uh, helps attract eyes. We're up to something like 28 ratings on iTunes, which is nice. pretty cool. Yeah. And, and only one one star. And if you're <laughs> listening, one star guy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and uh, as always, um, send us emails. Uh, send us Facebook messages. We love hearing from you. Totally, yeah. And, and I uh, think I may even have missed some Facebook messages tonight. Because you're a dog. Well, because I want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Yeah. So thank you, everybody. Yes, and if we did, if we missed your message this week, we'll definitely get it to a next episode. You bet. Again, this place is uh, getting hairy. The email address is ghoststoryguys at gmail dot com, and of course, Facebook is just the Ghost Story Guys. Yep. If you want to friend me or Ian on Facebook, feel free. We don't post publicly very much, but go ahead. I would appreciate if you mentioned that you listen to the show because I, I've reached the point now where I get weird, random Facebook friend request yeah. from people. Yeah. And even though I have everything locked down, I I want to differentiate from the the Russian bots. And people who actually listen to the show. Yeah. So when you send the profile reco- the request, just send a little note with it so I know that you are a listener and yeah. I'll, I'll make Say, sure. Say, hey, it's... from the podcast. Totally, yeah, and I'll accept We're it right good. away. Yeah. You can find me online at uh, Large of the Truth on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Twitter, Ghost Story Guys. Um, if we, uh, we don't use it very often, so if you write us there and we don't write back, that's why. But uh, you can always reach me at Large of the Truth, and um, Ian doesn't really use Twitter. <laughs> Ian is not thrilled with any social media no, currently. That's, that's so. fair. I make him handle all the Facebook stuff, so yeah, I don't blame him. And that's fine. Yeah. Also, I host a radio show, Large to the Truth. It's a music show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on 92.5 Stoke FM and uh, via the web at stokefm.com. We've been having issues with the stream lately, so if you've tuned in and you haven't been able to listen to it, I do apologize. The show airs again on Sunday at 8 p.m. So uh, if you do miss it on Thursday, you can pick it up again on Sunday, and hopefully the stream will be in better shape. Uh, we do hope to have the stream issues resolved soon. And I think that's going to do it. That sounds like a good place to stop. So we'll be back in two weeks. And until then, into back. the darkness we go.
going on the outtakes. <laughs> the day Ian died. <laughs> All right. So I'll bring this in. Yeah. Read the first story. Then we'll go to you. Sure. Okay. Seeing is believing. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> You should get that looked at. I don't think that's normal. <laughs> one night, we invited a friend couple. It's where you have more than one friend. I know you're a little shaky on that. Yeah. It's not good on this. I don't understand. Is it like the Golden Girls? Rose from Wisconsin? Is that on the Golden Girls? Yes. Okay. Rose is from Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember much about the Golden Girls. I love that show. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. It all comes together. I've been watching a few episodes on YouTube, perhaps. Oh. They're so funny. That was weird. You feel anything? I saw... I can't explain it. It was like I saw something move. Oh, I've got my back to the door, you f***er. <laughs> I don't know. It was crazy. Like, I actually thought light... <laughs> well, no, it's... We'll close the door. You'll be fine. It's fine. I'm good here. <laughs> okay. That was so interesting. It was, it was like a light went on in the corner. Okay, great. Oh, okay. And now we're the ghost story terrified guys. Yeah. They were the ghost scared guys. <laughs> you felt that though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Stop it. No, there's nothing there. I'm just. I was just curious. I'm God just. Damn it. No, I'm just saying. Like, I, maybe I miss. Like, maybe was, I miss saw something. You know. Yeah, you're gonna miss see something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First threat of physical violence from Ian. I'm not even packing up. I'm just going. Great. I don't. We care. were both like. Arr, 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 and, oh. the, and the battered fries. Oh, I know. Uh, I haven't. I don't think I've tried their wings, but I want to try them. But I, I usually just get two breasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your child. Oh, Brennan's monologuing again. That's right. Well, look at me. I went to the bathroom, came back. You didn't even notice. <laughs> nope, I didn't. <laughs> also, I peed. <laughs> you want me to kick his ass for you, babe? Pretty much. <laughs> so this has been my week. We both had shitty weeks. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's a weird night. <laughs> 